afternoon, everybody. How's everyone doing? Happy 4th of July, yeah? Yeah, we get a lot of fireworks going on and everything. Yeah. At this time, let us all rise. Yeah, before we begin, I just wanted to say, um, you know, I don't know if you guys uh, have looked around yet, but we have a few new faces. They're actually our um, seniors who just graduated high school. They're now coming up to EM. They're actually right here, I think. Is there anyone else besides Ethan? Where? Oh, and Jimmy too. Yeah. Yeah, so we got, let's see, Tyler, Eugene, Joshua, Jimmy. You know, we welcome you guys here. Yeah, hope you guys stay for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At this time, uh, let us all just bow our heads and let's pray. Get our hearts ready to just pray. So God, we just want to thank you once again for today. God, we want to thank you for allowing us to gather here, Lord, to once again be able to sing out these songs of praise to you, Lord. And God, I pray that as we just come together like this once again as a church, the Holy Spirit, will you just lead us, Lord, to be able to leave all our distractions, leave all our hindrances, leave all of our masks and all these things at your feet and dedicate this time to really sing praises, to sing truths about who you are, Lord. So Spirit, lead us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. From the darkness, I called your name. And into darkness, your mercy came. You called me out. You lifted me up. How great is your love, amen. You bore my weakness, you took my shame, buried my burdens in fields of grace. You called me out, you lifted me up. How great is your love. From the heights of heaven, you step down to earth. Innocent perfection, you gave your life for us, and we are amazed. Yes, we stand in awe, for we have been changed by the power of the cross. How great, how great. How great is your love, how great, how great, how great is your love, how great, how great, how great is your love for us. Gave your life for us, and we are amazed. 
His body bound and drenched in tears. They laid Him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah still and all alone. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing Your praise, O oh, Lord, O oh, Lord our God. And on the third, at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again, O oh, trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ again. Let's sing it out. Let's declare this.
Just continue to sing out to him. Oh, church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth, we'll stand against the devil's lies. An army bold, whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. called to war to love the captive soul but to rage against the captor and with a sword that makes the wounded whole we will fight with faith and valor when faced with trials on every side we know the outcome is will have the price for which he died an inheritance of nations amen come see the cross where love and mercy meet as the son of god is stricken his foes lie crushed beneath his feet for the conqueror has risen and as a stone is rolled away and christ emerges from the grave this victory march continues till the day every eye and shall see so spirit come so spirit come put strength in every stride give grace for every hurdle that we may run with faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful as saints of old still i'm the way retelling triumphs of his grace we hear their calls and hunger for the day when with christ we standing as saints of old as saints of old still church arise let's sing this out church arise and put your armor on 
Hear the call of Christ our captain, for now the weak can say that they are strong in a strength that God has given, which shield of faith and belt of truth will stand against the devil's lies and army bold. Whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. Amen. So God, we just want to thank you once again for today. We just want to thank you for allowing us to gather like this to sing out about how great you are, Lord. How God, Jesus, it is you who defeated the grave. It is you who defeated sin. So that we're able to come together like this as a church, as people who can be called righteous in your name, Jesus Christ. And to be able to sing together as one church, Lord. So God, I pray that as we just continue on with today and as we continue by hearing your word, by hearing your message, Holy Spirit, will you allow each and every one of our hearts to be open, Lord, and alert, Lord, to receive your word. Not just that, I also want to pray for Pastor James as he comes up to speak your message, that Holy Spirit, that you'll empower him that you'll give him the boldness and the strength to speak your word with clarity and with truth. And with Jesus Christ we pray, amen. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, it's good to see you. Happy 4th of July. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful day today. I'm glad we're able to just worship together. Before we go into announcements, uh, what I'd like for us to do is just ask our senior pastor, Pastor Lim, just to come up to give just a small announcement, and then we will go through the rest of uh, our service. It's a, it's a little uh, echoey right now, too, if, if, if it's okay, if you could lower, lower that, too. Hello, everyone. As you know, I'm a senior pastor of a Shining Star Community Church. Most people already, uh, I mean, know about uh, uh, what we have uh, something changed. Uh, today, uh, I'd like to uh, inform you that uh, I have appointed uh, uh, Pastor James as a leader of English ministry. Pastor Danny remains executive pastor, right? Yeah. I mean, he's nothing changed, it, except I give you a, a one more job for leading uh, Korean young adult ministry. So uh, Pastor Danny will uh, lead the English ministry with uh, James, Pastor James. So I just uh, let you know, and then uh, uh, also please support them and please support uh, uh, prayer. Thank you. We love you. I mean, I love you. And uh, also... Uh, when I saw the today, uh, David Moon's uh, leading praise, uh, that was uh, really impressive. When I saw him, he was a very little boy at the time, but now on he's uh, praying, you know, uh, leading praising. That's a really good uh, compliment for me and all their family. I love you and uh, thank you so much, and then glory to the Lord. Let's uh, clap to James, especially James. Yeah.
Right, yeah, so uh, once again, uh, just, uh, just to give you guys an update on that, as we have been restructuring kind of the, the way that our EM is, is growing and we see so many awesome things coming for our EM, one of the main things we wanted to do was really uh, integrate our English ministry with the KM and just kind of see them both grow and, and partner together. We've seen so many models of that happen. And so uh, through conversations with me and Pastor James and just with the rest of the staff talking, we just thought, man, this would be such a great opportunity for James, for Pastor James to be our kind of teaching and, and preaching pastor. That's where his giftings really lie and allow me to work in that executive space, allow Pastor Joe and Pastor uh, Paul also to work within the college and, you know, and the, and the youth, uh, youth area also and just kind of really utilize our giftings in that way. And so as time goes on, we're just so excited to share more of that. But uh, most of all, if we could just give a hand to the Lord also for just doing this for, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for just all that's happening. What we're going to do right now is just go into a couple of announcements, and then we'll go straight into our scripture reading. Uh, well, our first announcement is that we have a CGF uh, QT kind of gathering, something special for the summer. It's called Walk the Walk. Uh, starting from July 8th, every Thursday to the end of the summer, uh, the CGF will have this kind of gathering where they're going to come together and just talk about what God has been doing in their lives and, and just kind of sharing with each other. There's going to be, uh, most of the meetings are going to be at Pastor Joe uh, and Joanna's place, but they're going to also go out hiking and doing all of these different things. And, and so uh, if you are a college student, if you're here for the summer, please sign up. Uh, for that. It's going to be found, the, the form can be found on our website, uh, shiningstar.life. You can just fill it out. It's going to be a $10 fee. Uh, and if you have any other questions, please talk with Pastor Joe, and he can kind of let you know what the schedule is, what's going to happen, and just kind of uh, figure out anything that you may have uh, questions about, okay? That's the first one. The second announcement uh, is that we have our 2021 World Cup uh, coming up, and so we'd love for you, uh, if you play soccer, please join. If you enjoy watching soccer, we'd want you to play. If you have never even heard of soccer, we want you to play as well, okay? So this is open to everybody, uh, but we are having this game uh, on the 25th, which is the last Sunday of this month. There's only a few weeks left of that, uh, and so this is for, this game is going to be uh, what we historically do is have it, uh, like our ministry versus a different ministry. And so we're going to really gather our power together and just really kind of um, do our best. You know, we're, we're, all, we're all one church, right? We're all unified. But for this day, I want us to really you know, do our best. You know, no fighting, no anything like that, but just, you know, just to really do our best. Uh, for the glory of God, right? I don't want to. I don't want to just put that on there, but you know, for the glory of God. At, at the end of the day, we're all one church, okay? Uh, and so we're starting our practices this Sunday. Uh, they're going to be from uh, six to, oh, sorry, from five thirty at Falls Church High School, uh, starting today. And so, if you have any questions about that, if you want to know more about the practices, you can talk to our brother Eric over there. Eric, can you raise your hand? He's our uh, director, he's our athletic director, and he can uh, also, and you can also talk to Justin too. He's our guy who knows all about the soccer thing. Justin, you have to raise your hand. You're, you're already tall enough. You're, everyone can see you, and so don't worry about that. But 
that is going to be um, our thing. Our game is on the 25th Falls Church High School from 6 to 8 p.m., okay? Just keep that in mind. If you want to practice, come out. We're starting practices starting this week, starting today, Falls Church High School, 5.30 p.m. Okay. Lastly, the one thing I want to mention is that today is our promotion day. Now, promotion day, what that is, is that we have our rising um, seniors, we have our rising, uh, from whatever class, people who are going from elementary into middle school, they go into youth group, and from our youth group, all of those who are graduating high school, going to college, they come up uh, to uh, our, uh, our English ministry. And so we're just so happy and excited to have them here. They're, they look so fresh. They look so new. <laughs> and so it's just it's really good to see them. Uh, I'm going to just name them out. And then afterwards, if you could just stand, um, and then we'll clap, and then we can pray for them too. I think that would be good. Jimmy, uh, Sunwoo, Tyler Park, Eugene Lim, Joshua Lee, Chiyun An, and Tristan Lee. If you guys can stand up. Yeah, if you could just clap for them. Yeah, welcome, you guys. It's so good to see you. Yeah, thank you. You guys can, um, yeah, actually right now, if it's okay, can we pray for you guys too? It would be good. Uh, if you guys, can we raise our right hand? If we could pray for our brothers. Uh, they're actually all brothers here, right? If we could pray for them. Um, just as, as you guys know, going after college is not an easy thing. Their, their faith is going to be tested. They're going to experience a lot of new things. But just that uh, the Lord would be with them through that entire experience and that their faith, even through fire, would be purified so that it could grow. And so let's just pray over our brothers that they would find great community at college and they would find great community with their English ministry. So let's pray all this out loud in one voice and then I'll close us. Let's pray now. God, we pray for our brothers. Lord, we pray for uh, Jimmy, for Tyler, for Eugene, Joshua, Jean, Tristan, Lord, that you would guide and lead them. I pray that you would uh, allow them to really uh, grow with you. I pray that this would be a time where their faith can really be tested and stretched, Lord, and at the same time, Lord, that they would come to understand and know who you are at a deeper level, God. I pray that this would be a new season of their lives where they will just see you and know you and understand you at a deeper level. God, we thank you for all that you have done, and I pray for our brothers right here, Lord, who have graduated from high school, who are going into college, who have come into our ministry here, God. I pray that you would allow this season to be a totally new season of growth. God, that all the old has gone and the new has come. And Lord, this will be the season where you are able to speak life into them, where, there's, where their faith would be stretched, where their faith would be grown, and where they'd be, experienced, uh, where they'd be able to experience a, a new side of who you are, Lord. I pray for all of these brothers as they go off to college, as they get more situated into our English ministry, that they would be able to find really great friends, really great relationships, and that they would be able to grow together in Christ. So we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. All right, thank you guys. You're going to be seated. Right now, what we're going to do is just go into a time of greeting. If you could just turn to the people near you, just say, hey, it's good to see you. Welcome. And if our children can follow Pastor Jeannie downstairs. Thank you.
All right. Oh, so good to, to see you guys. Happy, happy Independence Day, uh, July 4th. It's a great, great uh, holiday. Also, yeah, just like the announcement, I, I will be more involved with our EM. It's really humbling. Uh, yeah, for the past 18 years, really, I, all I did was do youth ministry. And uh, coming to this church, uh, just being involved with our EM, uh, I think, you know, I, I just, got, just fell in love with you guys. Uh, just excited to see what God had in store for us this new season, but also know that, uh, yeah, it's really more about uh, uh, us doing this together, uh, that it's not just about one person. Uh, it's, that, that was the whole idea. We just felt like we need a team, a group of leaders, and also uh, we need lay leaders to step up if we, we want to carry on God's mission uh, in, in this season. So I just want to kind of ask your prayers for that. And so, yeah, and we'll share more about all the exciting things uh, moving forward. If you thought this was a big announcement, uh, just wait a couple more weeks and then we'll share some more stuff. But at this time, um, let's go to the book of Revelation. Our passage today comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 1. And by the way, I apologize to, to our seniors who, who just graduated. They probably thought they were finally free from me. But uh, <laughs> right? five years of Pastor James, and finally we get to get some, uh, someone, someone new. And yeah, you guys got me again, so I apologize for that. But yeah, the book of Revelation, chapter 1, starting from verse 9. And if you have it, and if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. It's a long passage, but I'll just read it. It says in verse 9, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamon and to Thyatira and to Cyprus and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire, his feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, from the, his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. And the living one, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in, the, in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray. Father, we are so thankful for your grace, for your mercy. Um, and we come to you today um, 
with humility, knowing that we need a word from you, not just individually, but as a church in this new season. I pray that you would guide us, direct us, help us to have a clear vision of Jesus. We thank you, we love you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we just finished our series in uh, Christ-Centered Relationships, and as we were praying about our new sermon series, the book that kept coming to my mind was the book of Revelation. Now, I know how it is when a preacher says, I'm going to preach from the book of Revelation. Uh, People have mixed reactions. Uh, There's a group that gets so excited because they are super into the signs and the end times, right? It's, It's their thing. These people, uh, they try to interpret every current event, everything that's going on in this world, starting from the Middle East to COVID and everything, it's like it's all in the book of Revelation, right? You can unpack every current event from the book of Revelation. Their whole theology, their worldview, everything is based on this one book, although there are 65 other books in the Bible. Um, and they study, they study, they worry about the end times, they try to figure out when Jesus is going to come and, and turn things around when Jesus actually said, okay, don't worry about the end times. Don't worry about when or how. Just remain faithful. Just be alert. So you have people who are super into the book of Revelation. And because of that, there are people who just don't want any part of the book of Revelation. It's like it's a weird book. Um, so they just ignore it. It's strange. Most wacky Christians are into the book of Revelation. So, uh, yeah, just, I want to I stay away from all those things. Um, all the signs, the wonders. It's like reading a Harry Potter book, really. Like you have dragons, you have beasts, you have false prophets, you have like this cosmic battle going on. And it's like, what in the world? Right? I thought this was the word of God, the Bible, not Harry Potter. And it just doesn't make sense. I'm not mature enough in my faith, and so I'm not going to read the book of Revelation. How many of you read through the book of Revelation? Okay. Brave souls. Awesome. Praise God for that. This was actually my attitude towards the book of Revelation for a long time. I just, I just didn't want to read it. Uh, it didn't make sense. Uh, it was scary. Um, I just had no idea what was going on. And people who were into the book of Revelation were pretty wacky, at least the people that I know. But my whole view on this book changed when I went to seminary because uh, in one uh, conference, it was a preaching conference, uh, these professors, they were going through the book of Revelation. And I remember in the introduction, one professor came up and he said, well, you would only love the book of Revelation if you loved Jesus. And if you don't like the book of Revelation, it's because you don't love Jesus. So hopefully you love Jesus, and then so hopefully you would fall in love with the book of Revelation. He was saying how the book of Revelation is not primarily about signs or end times. It's also not primarily a strange book. It's about Jesus. So if you love Jesus, you would love the book of Revelation. Actually, the first five words in the Greek of this book says this, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation is the Greek word apocalypse. It means to unveil, it means to uncover, it means to reveal. It's not a strange strange word, it simply means that you get to see something for what it is. And so the letter is, is opening up saying that this is the unveiling, the uncovering of Jesus Christ, not some wacky prophecy, not just all these cosmic battles about the end times, but this is actually about Jesus. 
And, and if we love Jesus, if he is our king and he is our ultimate husband, if he is the one that we are living for, don't you want to see him for who he is? Don't you want to see him in his full glory uncovered? That's what this book is offering. So when next time someone comes up to you and they ask the question, hey, what do you think about the book of Revelation? Hopefully your answer would be, I love the book of Revelation because I love Jesus. When people talk about the book of Revelation and their love for Jesus is not growing, most likely they're misreading the book because right off the bat it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. This book reveals Jesus. Number two, this book is an actual letter. It's not a story, but this is actually a letter that was sent to real churches in the first century in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Look at verse 1 one more time. It says this, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel, his messenger, to his servant, John. And the John here is not John the Baptist, but it's John the disciple. He's one of the 12. He's actually part of the inner circle of Jesus. And so he, he was one of the key leaders in the early church. Every other apostle pretty much died at this point, right? And he's the only one who is living. And he's also called the beloved disciple. He's the one who wrote the gospel of John, also 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And so he, he's tight with Jesus. He knows a lot about Jesus. Jesus is revealing this, this picture to him, this vision to him. He, John is his servant, and John, his task is to reveal this, to share this with the seven churches in Asia. And notice what he says in verse 4. It says this, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. So I don't think the book of Revelation is primarily about the 21st century. I don't think it's just a book that unpacks all the current events because this book, it made sense to Christians who were living in the first century. It made sense to them. It, it, it spoke to them in a very real way. So this is a letter. And because John is mainly writing to a congregation of Jews, he's using Old Testament language, Old Testament imagery to describe all the things that he sees. So the book of Revelation reveals Jesus, and the book of Revelation is a letter from Jesus to his church. That's important to know. Now keep in mind, at this point, it's around 80, 95, 96. At this point, um, the, Jewish, the Jerusalem temple, it's destroyed, it's fallen. Uh, Rome has taken over Jerusalem. Christians are scattered. They are being persecuted. But notice what John says. He says in verse 9, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So when John first met Jesus, he was a teenager. At this point, he's in his 70s. He's an old man. Um, he's towards the end of his life. And he's on this island called Patmos. He's not taking uh, a vacation. This is not his, his place of retirement. But he's actually there as a prisoner. He, he has been exiled. This is an island where the Roman Empire, they, they gathered all these political prisoners, and they would just have them spend the rest of their life on this island. And it says that John is here because he was preaching the word of God and he was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, just think about this. John followed Jesus for three years. 
he was actually the only disciple who saw Jesus die on the cross. He saw Jesus rise again. He saw Jesus go up into heaven. And that's around AD 30 to 33. And for more than 30 years at this point, all he has seen is persecution, tribulation, the church suffering under the Roman Empire. He's been faithful. He's been pretty good to the Lord, but for more than now 60 years at this point, and things are not different. In fact, it's even worse because the church at this point, they're willing to give up. They're on the verge of letting go of their faith. And that's why he says, I, John, your brother and your partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance. Notice the words that he uses to address the church. First, he says, brother. So church is a family. Church is just more than a social gathering. It's a group of brothers and sisters who are united in Christ, who have the same heavenly father who cares for us and who loves for us. So church is a family. But also notice that church is a place that carries on God's mission. We are partners in Christ, co-laborers of Christ. It says we have the same gospel, the same mission, but we also share not just in the kingdom, but in the tribulation and in patient endurance, which means not only is John suffering, but he knows that the churches are suffering and they are struggling. If anyone comes up to you and says, well, the Christian life is a piece of cake. If you believe in Jesus, your life is going to be so much easier. Um, don't believe in them. Because the Bible is very, very clear. It says, if you follow Jesus, the world is going to hate you. Romans 8 talks about how we have this glorious present in, in the gospel. That, that no one condemns us. That just he gives us his spirit. At the same time, we share in his suffering as well. So we receive all the blessings of Christ, but at the same time, we share in the sufferings of Christ. That is a calling that's placed on every Christian. That's what it, what it means to be part of God's family, to be co-workers with Christ. And so John is writing this in suffering, struggling, and he's writing to a group of Christians who are about to give up. Now, I know we are pretty comfortable uh, where, with where we are, but I, I believe more and more, like, just seeing our society, seeing how things are changing, it's, it's, it's hard to be a Christian. You can't voice your opinion. You can't share your values. The moment that you say you're a Christian, you are viewed in a certain way, that you are judged in a certain way. More and more, you know, people are hiding, not because, you know, there's physical persecution, but from society, right? If you're a Christian, if that's all you believe, then you're not considerate of others. You're not loving of others. It's going to be more difficult like, for us to, to share that we're Christians. Our children, they're going to struggle to share God's view on marriage, God's view on gender, God's view on abortion, God, God's view on anything. Because the world is becoming a place that does not know God and is walking in darkness. And to this world, and to the church that's living in this world, John is writing this letter. And notice what happens in verse 10. John in the spirit on the Lord's day, he heard a loud voice like a trumpet. And this voice tells him, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. So John, he sees a vision, a series of visions of stuff. 
And after he sees a vision, his job is to put this into words. And it's, 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 it's a hard task. It's like going to the Grand Canyon, looking at the Grand Canyon, and you have to write a report about the Grand Canyon, describing it. How, how are you going to describe it? To say it's big, it's wide, there's a lot of rocks. That's not going to do justice, right? John, he's not just writing stuff word for word, that, that God is not just placing words in his mouth, but what it is is he's seeing a vision, and to the best of his ability, he's supposed to kind of communicate this vision to the church. And that's why sometimes um, things are not as clear. Sometimes things are very vivid, you know, a lot of word pictures, a lot of imagery, because John is doing his best to the best of his ability to describe what is going on, but obviously it's just a glimpse of what God is trying to say, right? But the problem is, what John is seeing is not the Grand Canyon. It's something even bigger than that. What he sees at this moment is Jesus. Not Jesus in a manger. Not Jesus who's crucified on the cross. It's not Jesus who's walking around Galilee as a teacher, telling people to love one another, talking about peace, but the Jesus that he sees is the exalted Jesus, the King of kings and the Lords of lords. He's the Jesus who is like none other. We get a picture of our heavenly king in this passage. Look at verse 12. It says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man. So the Son of Man, it's a title that is used 82 times in the Gospels. And every single time it is used, it is used by Jesus. Jesus is explaining himself to other people. So if Jesus had a Twitter account, if he had an Instagram account, and he was living in the 21st century, his, his ID would be the Son of Man. Because that's a title that he picks out from Daniel 7 and 10, talking about this messianic figure, the one who is anointed by God, the one who is coming to save the world, to save God's people, to make everything better. So by using this title, Jesus is hinting to people, I'm it. I'm the one. I'm the one you've been waiting for. And then this vision, it, 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 it's, it continues, and we see a picture of who Jesus is. And the first thing that we see is that Jesus, he is the perfect judge. Jesus, he is the perfect judge. Look at verse 14. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. Now, sometimes my wife points out that, you know, I have white hair. Uh, and, and I say, well, it's because all the stress that comes with, you know, raising children, doing ministry. And, but the Bible tells us that white hair is actually good. In Jewish culture, it means wisdom. It means that you're old, but it means you're super wise. So people with white hair, uh, they were respected uh, because, you know, it means that they are old in age. And obviously back in the days, you know, healthcare and all the hospitals, they didn't have all that, right? So people died at a young age. So if someone lived long enough, it means that they are super wise. So when John says this man, his hair, his head had this white hair, it was white like wool, it was white like snow, it's, it's the... It's, it's the purest white that he can think of. It's saying that Jesus is, he, he is all-knowing. He knows everything. He has perfect wisdom. That every single strand of his hair is white because he has perfect knowledge. Not only that, it says his eyes were like flame of fire. It's like he has this laser-like eyes, this, 
this x-ray-like eyes where he can see through everything. And so not only does he know everything, he sees everything. The next thing that he says in verse 15 is his feet were like burnished bronze and refined in a furnace. So it's, it's a weird picture again. But remember, uh, John is using these words to describe the things that he's seeing. And it means that this, this, his feet, Jesus' feet, it's refined in a furnace. So it's super pure. But at the same time, it's, he's unmovable. You can't move him because his, his feet are not, his shoes are not just made with leather or, or other material, but it's bronze. It's heavy. He is unmovable. And his voice is like the roar of many waters. Now, if you go to Niagara Falls and if you get close to it, you can't hear anything else, right? Because 3,100 tons of water is dropped in a second. It, 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 the sound of rush, rushing water the roar of many waters. It, it, it is breathtaking. It is overwhelming. And what the Bible is saying is the voice of Jesus is overwhelming. It, it's authoritative. Jesus is speaking with clear authority, but also notice in verse 16, in his right hand, he held seven stars. Who holds stars in their hands, right? His, his authority. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. So not only does his word have authority, but it is piercing. It can cut through anything. And so if you put this picture together, and at the end it says his face was shining like this bright sun to its full strength, you get a picture of the ultimate judge, the perfect judge who is Jesus. Why? Because he sees all things, and because he's all-knowing, he has all the wisdom in the world, um, he can make the right decision. It's not like he has to go through CCTVs and he has to ask and interrogate people, but he knows everything. He sees everything, and he always has the solution. Not only that, he's not persuaded by other people. He's unmovable, right? He, 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 you can't bribe him because he's so pure. Not only that, he speaks with authority. I don't know if you've ever been to a court. It is scary just standing in front of a human judge. Just imagine standing in front of a judge Whose, whose words are like the roar of many waters, whose words can pierce through your hearts, who can make every judgment right. A picture of the perfect judge, that, that's who John sees in this vision. And notice his response. He finally sees Jesus after 60 years, right? He doesn't go over to give a high five. He doesn't go over to give a hug. Hey, Jesus, I missed you. He says in verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. I don't know about you, but this is not the picture of Jesus that I live with a lot of times. If Jesus were to walk through that door today, what kind of Jesus would, would you see? What kind of picture do you have when it comes to Jesus? Blonde hair, blue eyes, or a Jewish man with a cool beard, long robe, or maybe a baby, or maybe a criminal on the cross. Those things are all true. Those are accurate according to the Bible. The problem is it's just outdated. That's who he was. This is who Jesus is currently. A lot of us, you know, and I get frustrated when, I, when, when this happens, um, when I go on someone's social media, and their profile picture is their childhood photo. Right? And especially if you are like, you're, you're spying on someone, right? You want to see an up-to-date 
photo of them, and you go to their account, it's private. You can't see anything. So you have this tiny picture on Instagram that, that's supposed to show what they look like, and you try to zoom in, you try to do everything, but when you realize, what you realize is that picture is not the current picture, updated picture of that person, but it's, it's that person's childhood photo. And I would say, man, come on, update your picture. I think a lot of us, when we go to Jesus' Instagram account, what we have is a picture of Jesus in the past. When he wants us to have a clear view of him, of who he is right now. Jesus is no longer this, this Jewish friendly guy, relatable teacher, but he is the king of kings and the lord of lords. Is that the picture that you have when it comes to Jesus? Because if you see that Jesus, your response will not be, let me give you a high five or let me give you a hug. Jesus, I love you. I've been waiting for you. You will fall flat on your face, though you are dead. But notice Jesus' re reaction to this. Remember, Jesus is the, he, he's the ultimate judge. He, he sees everything, knows everything. He has the power to judge John right at that moment. He sees every sin, everything that he did in the past. And instead of condemning John and condemning the church, this is what he says, fear not. Fear not. Why? Because Jesus, he's, he's not just the perfect judge, but he is the eternal king. Look at, look at what it says in verse 17. I am the first and the last. I am the living one and I die. Behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. What is he saying? He's saying that I have authority over time, over creation. I am the beginning and the end. I can even you know, defeat, I have even defeated death. I have authority over death and Hades. We all face the wall of death in this life. Everyone tries to run through this wall called death, and they slam right into the face of death. But Jesus, he has the key. He changes this wall of death into a door, and he walks right through it. He is the eternal king. And so you have this beautiful picture of Jesus, this magnificent picture of Jesus with all authority, with all power, ruling and, and reigning in heaven. And, and, and Jesus is saying, well, remember who I am. But it gets even better. Because the last thing that he wants us to see is this, that he is the great high priest. Jesus, he's not just the perfect judge, he's not just the eternal king, but he is the great high priest. Go back to, um, actually look at verse 19, it says this, Write therefore these things that you have seen, those that are those that are to take place after this, as the mystery of the seven stars and you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Now, I don't know exactly who these beings are. Some people say that these are pastors of these local churches. I don't, I don't believe that. The word angel does mean messenger in the Greek, but uh, I think they are angelic beings, beings that are serving God. And to what capacity? I'm not sure, but through them, through these messengers, it says that Jesus is speaking to his church. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. That is so important, that these seven lampstands are the seven churches. Why? Because if you go back to verse 12, when John first sees this vision of a one that's like the Son of Man, the Son of Man, notice what he's wearing. He's wearing a long robe, golden sash around his chest, and he's standing in the midst of seven golden lampstands. This makes no sense to us, but for every Jew, immediately they would have thought, the holy place, the temple. Because 
the holy place, the temple, where the presence of God dwells, uh, that's the holy of holies. Right outside of that is the space where only priests can go in. And it has this lampstand, seven lamps that light up that dark room. And the role of the priest, the high priest, what he's supposed to do is 24-7, he's supposed to keep that lamp on. His job is to tend the lamp. His job is to make sure that the lamp is burning constantly in the presence of God. Why? Because that lamp symbolizes the people of God. And so we see that Jesus is the great high priest, just like a high priest would take care of the lamp stand that's in the holy place. Jesus is the one who's taking care of these lamps. But notice that these lamps are the seven churches. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. And notice where Jesus is, right in the middle of these churches, in the middle of their suffering, in the middle of their struggles, in the middle of their failures, in the middle of their pain. Jesus is not up there. He's right there with them. And he's the one who's tending them. He's the one who's taking care of them. He's the one who's supplying all their needs so that they would burn and shine light to a dark world, that they would be who they were called to be, a light to this world. And why is this passage so important? Starting from next week, we're going to look at the seven letters to the seven churches. I don't know if we're going to finish the book of Revelation, but for sure we're going to go through the seven letters to the seven churches. But notice that before Jesus says anything to these seven churches, these local churches, before a single word that's spoken to them, Jesus wants them to see a clear vision of who he is. Because his words don't matter if you don't have a clear vision of Jesus. If all you know is the baby Jesus, the Jesus who died on the cross, and the Jesus who is a teacher in Galilee, then his words are not going to make any difference in your life and in the church. But if your vision of Jesus is this exalted Jesus who is in his full glory, who has all power, who has all knowledge, who is able to see everything, and yet he is present with his people among his churches, and he's the one who's actually taking care of them. He's the one who's, 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 who's supplying all their needs so that they would continue to burn for the glory of God. If that's your vision of Jesus, then, then you have hope. And, and in this new season, with all these different changes that are coming our way as a local church, I think what we really need as a church is not different programs or, or new ministry philosophies or or more people, or, or, or better leaders. I think we just need one thing, a clear vision of Jesus, a fresh vision of Jesus. Because these seven churches in Asia Minor, all they were, they were seeing was their problems, their suffering in life. And John, he writes this letter with this beautiful vision of Jesus that portrays Jesus as the eternal king the ultimate judge who doesn't condemn his people, but rather says, do not be afraid. And with him in our midst, with him taking care of us, we can shine like the stars. We can burn and we can be the light of this world that we are called to be. So the message is pretty simple today. Christ is more glorious than you think, and the church is more important than you actually think. Christ is more glorious than you think, 
And the church is actually more important than you think because there are two main themes in the New Testament. The first thing is the supremacy of Jesus Christ, that he is all in all. Everything is made by him and through him, and he holds all things together. It's Colossians 1. And he contains the fullness of God, and it's through him we have salvation. Everything is, is about Jesus in the New Testament, right? He is supreme. He is eternal. He is magnificent. He is glorious. He is beautiful. He is. But at the same time, what's his plan for this world? You and me, the church. After defeating death, Jesus, he goes up. Why? Because he gives the mission of, of, of sharing the gospel at the ends of the world, and he gives that to the church. The church is not just some gathering place where we talk about Jesus every now and then, but this is a place that we gather together as a family, but as a working family to do God's work, to be a light to this world. Every letter that you're going to see moving forward, the seven letters, it's going to begin with a description of Jesus that you have saw in Revelation chapter 1. And the reason why Jesus does that is he wants to remind you that it's not about the do's and don'ts. He's not just telling you, you got to repent and do better and do more stuff. But he wants you to know that he's right there. And, and the key is not just doing more stuff. The key is looking at Jesus the right way and understand he is with you. It also, every letter ends with this description saying that this is from the, the one who conquers. Nike, the Greek word for victory. I don't know if you knew that. that. That word appears more in the book of Revelation than all the other books combined. The idea of the book of Revelation is not just that Jesus, he is revealed, but when he's revealed, that Jesus is victorious. He wants you to know that. So after every letter, although Jesus is pointing out all the sin, all the brokenness, and all the things that they need to do better, at the end of the day, Jesus reminds them, hey, this is from the one who conquers, to him who conquers, be the glory. And in every letter he says to his church, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. This message is specifically to given to the church. If we have a fresh view of Jesus, we have a fresh view and calling for the church. If we have a fresh understanding of what the church is all about, then the Christian life becomes exciting then we, there's meaning to our gathering. There's purpose to what we do. And so let's have a fresh vision of Jesus together in this new season. Let's understand that Jesus is no longer just this, this, this being that we can just relate to, but he's already exalted. He's waiting for the church to step up. And he's not just telling you to step up and telling me to step up, but together he's calling us to be the church who he called us to be because he is there right with us. I will be with you to the end of the ages. I am so excited for this new season. Not because I'm worthy, not because our church is worthy, because I know that Christ is worthy. And I trust in him and the word of God. And so as the word of God is expound to us through these seven letters to the seven churches, my hope is that not only do we, will we be equipped with new information, that we will have a fresh vision of Jesus, and a rejuvenated love for him as well. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, he is the perfect judge. He is the eternal king. 
there is none like him in this universe. And for some crazy reason, he calls you and me, the church, the body of Christ. And he gives us this mission. That he says, you're it. You're my plan. The reason I leave you on this earth is not just so that you would enjoy a couple years of prosperity. It's not just so that you would raise kids. It's not just so that you can buy a home or buy nice things. I specifically leave you on this earth so that you can carry on my mission. I am going to work through you. My church, hear my voice. See this vision. I know you're in the midst of suffering. I know you're in the midst of pain. I know life is not easy. I know you're wondering when in the world is this all going to end. And what you need is not an updated plan from God, but what you need is a fresh perspective of what Jesus is planning to do in your life and a fresh understanding of who he is. The book of Revelation is not about an event. It's about a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. You can trust him. If you don't believe in him, he is going to be the perfect judge that points out your sin and gives you the punishment that you deserve. But if you trust in him, he's going to be on your side and say, fear not. I hold the keys to death and Hades, and with this authority, I commission you, the church, to be a light to this world. So let's respond to this message Let's think about this message. Let's pray that God will reignite a fire in our hearts and in the hearts of our church. And after that, we'll go through a time of the Lord's Supper. This time we'll go to our time of, of communion. The Lord's Supper, it's something that we do not individually, but collectively as a church, as the body of Christ. Paul, he gives instructions for the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, 
that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given things, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took up the cup and after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So it's a reminder that we are a family in Christ, part of this one body that was purchased by the blood of Jesus. At the same time, it's remembering that we're on a mission until Jesus returns, proclaiming his, his good news. And I want to highlight the fact that um, this is not for everyone, but it's only for those who have genuine faith. In Jesus. If you are not a believer, you're just a spectator, we are glad you are here. You are welcome to just spend this time in prayer. But this is just more for those who are part of the family, who are committed to Jesus, who believe that God is their Heavenly Father, and who is committed to this mission, this work as a partner in the gospel. It's a serious matter. Uh, Paul actually says that if you drink this cup in an unworthy manner, you're pouring judgment upon yourself. So examine your heart. If there's anything that needs to be made right, if you need to ask forgiveness, if there's anything that's hindering you from going to God's presence, this time just examine your heart, pray a prayer of repentance, get your heart ready. And after we spend some time in prayer, remembering what Christ has done for us, remembering the mission that he has given to us, uh, we'll take the elements together. But just let's spend some time in prayer. If you have not received the elements and you would like to participate, uh, just quietly raise your hand when everyone else is praying, and we'll have some ushers who would hand out uh, the elements to you. Uh, yes. you can get your elements ready you can slowly open it up uh, afterwards you can always um, just make sure you don't leave it at your seat but you can uh, you, you, you take it with you or and there should be uh, places where you can throw it away but let me pray for us and then we'll take it together Heavenly Father we are we are amazed by your grace the fact that you, you sent your son. And through your son, 
we have new life. That we have new, a new purpose. That our life counts for something. That we are no longer just people of this world, but we are children of God. We remember all that you have done on the cross. We remember the sacrifice that you have made, and it's because of that that we willingly follow our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Help us to live faithfully to the end, remembering that the risen Lord, the perfect judge, the eternal king, and the great high priest is on our side. We worship you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please join me. Please rise for the last song.
John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him. Who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before the throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth to him who loves us, who has freed us, from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Father, we are so 
thankful that you call us to be a church. We see that our, our problem with our problem in life is not that our suffering and our struggles are great. It's that we just have such a low view, a small view of Jesus. And I pray that in these coming weeks that that will change. If our Lord holds the keys to death, then there's nothing to fear. If our Lord has all authority over every single being in this universe, there's nothing to fear. We have hope. It makes all the difference. And so, Lord, I pray that as we move forward in this series, that we would see a clear vision of Jesus, a clear vision for the church, and that we will respond in obedience. Give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. We worship you for who you are. We thank you, love in Jesus' name, pray. Capture my heart with this love Because nothing on earth is as beautiful as you You open my eyes to the wonders of You capture my heart with this love Because nothing on earth is as beautiful as you 